click drive time keeping you informed and inspired we love god we ought to be able to talk about him getting you started on your day with the latest in breaking news and information from the vatican to the white house and everything in between it's serious it's fun it's your catholic drive time and welcome to catholic drive time this is your host adrian Fonseca. it's so good to be on with you today is friday july 7th 2023 the feast of saint cyril and methodius and the saintly brothers Cyril became a monk and Methodius became a governor and in 861 they were chosen to go to Russia and convert the Jewish czars. They did an amazing job and even created a new alphabet called Kyrillic, which is still used today by many people. After that, they went to the Balkans and taught the local people. They translated the Bible into their language and they started Catholic communities in places like Bohemia and Hungary. So for those who say that Martin Luther is the first one who had a vernacular Bible, check the 800s. When Cyril passed away, Methodius faced an opposition from some church leaders who didn't like that he was saying Mass in Slavic languages. But with the help of Pope John VII, Methodius overcame those challenges and kept spreading the faith. And now this is a particularly interesting factoid about these two saints. They actually went to Rome to pay their respects to the great Pope Adrian II. What makes him great? Well, he had a really awesome name. And in that time of struggle between the East and the West, they visited the, the, uh, the, the blah, blah, blah. I cannot speak. They visited an homage the two saints rendered to the Pope was very significant due to the Eastern schism at the time. They had founded a new liturgy and they wanted to have the approval of the Pope who granted it. That shows you the influence of true saints in the East. Now, St. Cyril and Methodius, these great brothers and great saints, pray for us. A good example of a holy uh, siblings, people who can be have brothers and sisters who raise each other up to be saints. I think that's a great example to think about, especially in our age of uh, kind of broken families. But happy Friday to you. I hope you're having a had a blessed week, and I hope you're going to have a wonderful weekend. It's been a long week, and I'm sure that uh, you're ready for the weekend. I know I am. Uh, but joining us right now is Tito Edwards. Good morning to you, Tito. Good morning, Adrian. Yes, it's Friday is always a wonderful day in, a, in the work week. Most of us will be uh, exiting after the end of our work day and enjoying our weekend, hopefully. And uh, hopefully the, we all have a full and uh, joyful week. Yeah, I am uh, very excited for this weekend because I have something amazing planned this Saturday. Amazing. Amazing? Absolutely amazing. It's going to be it's going to be huge. It's going Are be... you going to uh, uh tell us what it is? Um, let me think. Should I tell you what it is? Okay, what? I'll tell you. I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> okay. The I have a uh, I have a hot date. With my bed, I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to <laughs> sleep in. <laughs> uh, yes. I, uh, I don't have anything planned for tomorrow morning, so I'm actually going to sleep in for the first time in in a little while. I, and that's going to be nice to to wake up uh, kind of late. It'll be it'll be very a nice good. little little surprise for myself. There you go. So that's that's my my very shocking and surprising news for this weekend. Anyone uh, who's worked hard and deserved it, it's you. <laughs> it's funny because uh, I, I have a really bad feeling. That there's something on my schedule that I just forgot about, <laughs> and it's gonna come up, and I'm gonna be like, "Oh no, I gotta wake up early." So I'm gonna be, uh, we're gonna, we'll see how that plays out in the uh, in the reality of it. But that's the plan for now. The plan for today is that I'm going to uh, sleep in, maybe until whew, maybe until 8 a.m. 
That's what I'm thinking. Ooh, yeah, I know. Wow, five extra hours. Right, that's cool. crazy. I know. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the plan for this weekend. I hope you're going to have a good weekend. Uh, if you can join us in the after show, I would love to know what your plans are for the weekend. Uh, are you going to have some rest, or do you have a a list of things you got to take care of around the house, or you got work, or what what are your plans for this weekend? I would love to know. So join us in the after show, and I'd love to chat with you there. Uh, coming up in this hour. At 15 past hour, the plan was to talk about uh, the new Barbie movie. I heard that was really woke, and I really don't care about Barbie all that much, but I figure a lot of people are probably going to take their daughters to go see it, so I figure it would be a good thing to talk about. Plus, the Center for Disease can, and um, the Center for Disease Center, they, they say that men can breastfeed. Uh, should we be trusting the government when it comes to science whenever they say things like that i don't know that seems kind of ridiculous to me uh, plus some breaking news out of rome uh, that kind of derailed my my plans for the day so we're probably going to start with the story out of rome that just broke a couple minutes ago and we're going to talk about that and if we have time we'll t- cover these other two stories at 30 past the hour we're going to be talking about the second amendment we're talking about constitutional carry and about concealed carry license all of that coming up at 30 past the hour in the next hour, um, Dave Palmer will be joining us to talk about comparing Socrates to Jesus. So I might be like, oh, don't, you can't do that. Well, don't worry. It's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. We're going to be talking about that coming up in the next hour, plus our Fear and Trembling game show. We're giving away a prize today from Sophia Institute Press. So that's going to be given away today. So make sure you're tuned in in the next hour. It's going to be a show packed to the brims so you're not going to want to miss not one moment of it so let's begin with prayer as is our custom we begin we are praying for your intentions whatever you have going on in your life we're going to be praying for that for our friends family and benefactors and all those that we promise to pray for for the salvation of souls and the liberty and exaltation of holy mother church and for the end of the scourge of abortion throughout the world we pray for this and for your weekend that whatever it is going on in your life and that is done according to the will of God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. O oh my God, I beg of thee, in union with the Immaculate Heart of Mary, through the merits of the precious blood offered to thee in every sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, to grant that this day one sinner may be converted, one mortal sin be averted, one soul in doubt be converted to truth, one soul about to die in sin receive the grace of repentance and a happy death, and the deliverance of that soul in purgatory, which is nearest heaven. I wish by this offering to console the heart of Jesus in agony for souls lost through the teaching of error against the true church of Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. May thy blood, O Lord, be my salvation. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Tito Edwards. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Friday, July 7th, Anno Domini 2023, and these are your headlines. Catholic News Agency is reporting Sound of Freedom, an anti-human trafficking film made by Catholic filmmakers Eduardo Verastegui and Alejandro Monteverde, had a massively successful opening day in which it reached number one at the box office, beating out Disney's fifth Indiana Jones installment and raking in $14.24 million. Catholic News Agency is reporting the victim of Wednesday's fatal shooting on the school's Washington, D.C. campus was 25-year-old Maxwell Emerson of Crestwood, Kentucky, according to an update provided by the university president, Peter Kilpatrick, at the uh, Catholic University of America campus. Catholic News Agency and Catholic World News are reporting when asked about the controversy surrounding his recent appointment as a Vatican's doctrinal chief 
Archbishop Victor Manuel Fernandez responded, I will do it my way. Archbishop Fernandez also defended his erotic book he wrote about kissing, meaning more chaos and confusion to emanate from the Vatican by this controversial appointment. LifeSite LifeNews.com is reporting a federal court in Texas rejected persecution claims by the Satanic tem Temple this week in a lawsuit challenging pro-life laws that protect unborn babies from abortion and claiming that abortion, aborting unborn babies is a ritual and Texas pro-life laws violates its members' religious freedom. However, the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Texas rejected its lawsuit, lawsuit this week. LifeNews.com is reporting the U.S. Supreme Court keeps issuing decisions that pro-abortion Democrat leaders do not like, so their solution is to add more justices to create a leftist majority. Several prominent lawmakers and abortion chain Planned Parenthood renewed calls to pack the court after the justices upheld religious freedom and prohibited racial discrimination and college admissions in a series of cases last week. Those were your headlines for this morning. May God bless you all. The Gospel of the Day comes from Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As he passed further on his way, Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at work in the customs house and said to him, Follow me. And Matthew rose from his place and followed him. And afterwards, when he was taking a meal in the house, many publicans and sinners were to be found at table with him and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and asked his disciples, How come it that your master eats with publicans and sinners? Jesus heard it and said, It is not those who are in health that have need of the physician. It is those who are sick. Go home and find out what the words mean. It is mercy that wins favor with me, not sacrifice. I have come to call sinners, not the just. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, a number of things here I think is very interesting from Cornelius Alapide. Uh, Cornelius Alapide starts off, he says, named Matthew. So Matthew names himself both out of humility that he might confess to the whole world that he had been a publican and a sinner, but also out of gratitude that he might make known abroad the exceeding grace of Christ towards him. Just as St. Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15 when he says, It is a faithful saying and worthy of all accept acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is very good because sometimes we can worry about saying, okay, should I give my testimony? Should I explain what happened to me, what my experience was? And the answer is yes, if it comes out of these two reasons. One, humility, and two, gratitude. I think those two are the things to keep in mind first and foremost. The second thing from Cornelius Lapide here, it says that he thus then, as a magnet, draws iron unto it. So did Christ draw Matthew. And by his drawing gave him virtues, and chiefly his exceeding love of God, zeal for souls, and ardor in preaching. Now notice here the virtues in which Christ gives when he draws someone to himself. These three are love of God, Zeal for souls and ardor in preaching. Do we have zeal for souls? Do we have exceeding love of God? Do we have ardor in preaching? Or do we preach at all? Or do we say, nah, proselytism, not for me. 
No, it's for all of us. This is something that we're all called to when we're drawn to Christ. Now, listen to the account of St. Matthew's conversion when he himself gave it to St. Bridget when praying at his tomb in Malphi. He says to him in a vision, It was my desire at the time. I was a publican to defraud no man, and I wished to find out a way by which I might abandon that employment and cleave to God alone with my whole heart. When therefore he who loved me, even Jesus Christ, was preaching, his call was a flame of fire in my heart. And so sweet were his words unto my taste that I thought no more of riches than of straws. Yea, it was delightful to me to weep for joy that my God had deigned to call one of such small account and so great a sinner as I to his grace. And as I clave unto my Lord, his burning words became fixed in my heart, and day and night I feed upon them by meditation as upon sweetest food. This is a beautiful way of seeing your conversion, of seeing that and recognizing that we have to meditate upon the good things that God has given us, the grace that God has given us, meditate upon them. And then I love the Dominican friars. I am a huge fan of Dominicans. And one of the mottos of the Dominican order is to contemplate and to share the fruits of one's contemplation. Because it is not enough to contemplate, that is the contemplative life, the more perfect life, but we also should go out and preach the gospel. And how do we do that? By sharing the fruits of one's contemplation. Now, Cornelius Alapide goes on. He says, it is indeed a sign of true conversion to be anxious that others also should be converted from their sins. For good is self-diffusive, and charity instigates men to seek the salvation of other lost sinners. So my question for you is, do you seek after the conversion of other people? Because if you do not... According to Cornelius Alapide here, he says that it, you do not have true conversion if you are not anxious about other people's salvation. This is our primary end in life. Our primary goal in life is to save souls. If you're married, your primary goal is to save the soul of your spouse and their children. But we're all called, every single one of us, to save souls. That is our entire mission in life. Nothing else matters. If souls are lost, all is lost. And so we must recognize this. We must make steps toward this. And what's one step? Well, one is to learn about the faith. How can you share it if you don't know it? So we should learn about the faith. And then we have to contemplate the good things that we learn. And then we have to share the fruits of one's contemplation. So that's our mission for today. When we come back, there is some breaking news out of the out of the Vatican. Very concerning. We'll be right back with more after this. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're currently cruising at 39,000 feet. We'll turn that seatbelt sign off for you and let you move about the cabin. Looks like we're about two hours and ten minutes from landing. Plenty of time for you to pray for religious vocations. Wouldn't it be great if everyone prayed daily for vocations to the religious life? Why not start today? A friendly suggestion from Guadalupe Radio Network. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say, Religion can never depend on minute disputes about doctrine. G.K. Chesterton says that's like saying that life can never depend on minute disputes about medicine. 
Will the man who says we don't want theologians splitting hairs also say we don't want surgeons splitting filaments more delicate than hairs? Many a man would be dead today if his doctors had not debated fine shades about doctoring. It's also a fact that Western civilization would be dead today if its doctors of divinity had not debated fine shades about doctrine. We depend on doctors of medicine. We can also depend on the doctors of the church. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. I just love mornings because I'm looking at, I'm really not a morning person at all. I hate waking up in the morning. I'm just not a morning person. I'm a night owl through and through. Uh, it's been hard recently. Just been my schedule the last three years has always been trying to get to bed early and waking up early. And it's really been, been messing with me. But one good thing I love about the mornings is seeing the, the sun, the sun peeking out, the, the changing of the sky, the colors of the sky. Very beautiful. I just, I just love that. It's what a, what a wonderful thing to see in the morning. Uh, but Going on to some less good news. Uh, the sun's rising. That's good news. The, the bad news is there are things going on in Rome. So there you go. And every, every day there's something going on in Rome. So Diane Montagna just reported. She said, Justin, Pope Francis has personally, and this is a key point because there are other bishops who have been appointed to this. It's not a complete list, but these are a complete list of the ones that Pope Francis has personally appointed as U.S. members of the October 2023 Synod on Synodality. Now, before I give you this list, I'm just saying, many people have said, oh, well, Pope Francis doesn't know all these bishops and cardinals. He's trusting his advisors. And he just has bad advisors. Or they're saying, oh, Pope Francis doesn't know. Oh, the Synod on Synodality is going to be fine. You're overreacting. The Synod will be fine. Everything's going to be hunky-dory. Don't worry about it. Well, let me say who these bishops are. The people that Pope Francis has personally appointed are Cardinals Blaise Supich of Chicago, Wilton Gregory of D.C., Robert McElroy, and as well as Father James Martin, S.J., of Building a Bridge fame, and Cardinal O'Malley and Bishop Eaton of Seattle, also named. There's a full list available. Um, some of the other people that you may be less concerned about, but I would be equally concerned about, to be honest, is uh, Bishop Barron's going to be on that list as well. Very interesting. Bishop Barron is going to be on there, who uh, famously has an endorsed Father James Martin's books. So that's interesting. So very, very interesting group of bishops. Cardinal Supich, who is uh, well known for despising tradition, shutting down the Institute of Christ the King in his diocese, and suppressing the traditional Latin Mass extensively. In fact, back whenever, I remember because... Um, being in the Gal Archdiocese of the Galveston, Houston, Cardinal DiNardo is my cardinal, and he was uh, the president of the USCCB. And whenever all these different topics were coming up about um, about things going on in the in the church in the United States, Cardinal Supich stepped in and stood there and was like, "No, no, no! Pope Francis has told me that this is what we're gonna do." And everybody was like, "Whoa, that's kind of a yeah, kind of a strange thing. Not very synodality of them to." Uh, usurp the authority of the conference bishops that that was uh very yeah <laughs> uncollegial of a cardinal supich of what he did upstaging cardinal cardinal Donardo. also it, it's confusing because cardinal Donardo was a president 
So wouldn't he be the one informed of any decisions such as those? So yep. he was circum circumvented. Yep. That's the, that, isn't that interesting? Yep. Isn't that interesting that they kind of uh, pick and choose? And so people who say that Pope Francis doesn't know who these bishops are, don't know who these cardinals are. Well, let me just say, I, I, have, I for one, am not of the opinion that Pope Francis is not intelligent. I don't think that Pope Francis is dumb. I don't think Pope Francis is ignorant. I think Pope Francis knows what he's doing. I think he is well aware of the, who these people are. I think he makes his own decisions. I don't think he's being forced to do things. I'm, I think that he has his own will, has his own intellect, and he makes his own decisions. And I think that's the charitable way to view anybody, really, is that they are making their own decisions. So that's very, very concerning of what we see there. And people who don't know about Wilton Gregory, well, there could be a list of things that I could mention. But just my personal experience, when I was in D.C., I went to Mass with Wilton Gregory. That was back in 20, I want to say 2019, maybe. I was there for the March for Life, and Wilton Gregory gave a sermon. And in it, he blasphemed the Blessed Virgin Mary by saying that she was an unwed mother. And I'm just like, this is horrible. And he also would talk about how the... Um, the Holy Family were illegal immigrants. They were fleeing persecution, and they were illegal immigrants. These are blasphemies. And incorrect. And incorrect. I mean, it's just factually false. And Our Lady was not an unwed mother. She was wed to St. Joseph. Our Lord was conceived and born in wedlock. He, he said, Our Lord was born to an unwed mother. That is false. It is not true. It is a blasphemy against Our Lady. Very, very concerning. And these are the people that are going to be leading the U.S. Synod on Synodality this coming October. In, in addition, Egypt and Israel, where Jesus was from, they were both part of the Roman Empire. So technically and generally, it's factually incorrect. Yeah, on for both sure. Counts. For sure. So very, very concerning. We should definitely keep an eye on the Synod on Synodality. And as things start coming up in October, we need to be well aware of what's going on because it's not going to be good. Let's not bury our heads in the sand and pretend like these things are not happening. Uh, but speaking of immigration, the there was a story out of uh, Tim Cast News, very, very concerning. We heard about this a while back, but finally there was a sentencing on this case. An illegal immigrant who raped and impregnated an Ohio nine-year-old girl has been sentenced to life in prison. So that's good news that they've been sentenced to life in prison. However, it is very concerning because Yes, there's, these things happen. It's bad. It's always bad when people are raped. Very, very bad. However, the problem with this particular situation is it's unnecessary. I mean, you can't control everybody, but we can stop ha allowing illegal immigrants to come in. And obviously, not all illegal immigrants are bad, are bad people in the sense that they're not committing these kind of grave crimes. But every illegal immigrant is breaking the law because they are coming over illegally, hence illegal immigrant. So therefore, they're breaking the law. The very simple um, syllogism there. And so this is very concerning because this could have been prevented. This could have been prevented by not allowing for these things to happen. So this guy who impregnated this nine-year-old girl, Garrison Fuentes, he, uh, he pleaded guilty to two counts of rape twice, did it two times. And my, my concern, honestly, is what's the situation with the family there? How did that happen? Twice? Who was this man? It doesn't give any information about the relationship between this man and the family because it sounds to me 
Like this is someone who was well aware of the family, who knew the family. It had to have been because I don't know how this could happen twice. And then what else do we know? We also know that the family requested a plea deal. Why would the family request a plea deal? The judge was actually shocked by this, and they were like, no, we normally prosecute these cases, especially as heinous as a, as a nine-year-old, to like the fullest extent of the law. And so they were disgusted. The judge was disgusted, but they ended up respecting the family's wishes and, and took a plea deal. Very, very concerning situation. The other concerning situation that's heartbreaking is they ended up aborting the child, so they murdered the baby as long, along with it. So an overall tragic story out of Ohio. Sad. Very preventable tragic story. On to the, uh, the Barbie story, this very interesting situation out of uh, the Barbie story. This Barbie movie it contains pro-LGBT and feminist propaganda. So long story short, if you went to TLDR, the too long didn't read, this TLDR is don't take your daughters to see this movie. If you just want the, the one-sentence uh, response to this, don't take your daughters to see this movie. And definitely don't take your sons to see this movie. I don't know why you would do that anyway. The Barbie movie has been raised that it's they're having the transgender actor Hari Neff, which I'm not uh, sure if that's their biological name or, or their, their given name or their taken name. I have no idea. This man will be playing a female doctor in the film. And despite being a biological male, and this is going to be very concerning because he looks like a man, but he's playing a woman. And imagine the kind of confusion that's going to provide children. We definitely don't want that to be children. And remember, Hollywood culture is massive. Kids look up to actors. They kind of see actors as our modern-day saints. They're saints without the virtue. And this is the problem that we have. They will look up who these actors are, and they will try to emulate them. So we do not want to make these people popular. We don't want to make these people dignified. We want to instead say that this is bad and we do not accept it. We reject it even. So very, very concerning situation. Not to mention that the, the critics have argued that the, the film belittles men in traditional gender roles in the name of gender equality. The idea of gender roles denying uh, people their humanity, especially men, it's a very, very concerning situation. People will see it as like reverse sexism, but really it's just sexism. So a very, very concerning situation. The other thing is that Mattel in general, Barbie in general, is not good. We should probably stop supporting Mattel overall. The manufacturer of Barbie has been criticizing for, criticized for promoting left-wing agendas through its project products, including promoting accessories that promote same-sex marriage. And of having same-sex couple toy sets. The, cup, the company has also launched a line of gender-inclusive dolls, including transgender figures. Now, I saw this ridiculous article that I thought was ridiculous at the time, saying how uh, the G.I. Joe figures were probably not good for, for young boys. Because it was a step in the direction of letting boys play with dolls. Because they were like fully functional they're basically dolls, but dressed as army soldiers. Yeah. They said, whereas before G.I. Joe, they had little toy figures that were just soldiers that didn't have the aspect of taking the clothes off and putting the clothes on and changing out their accessories and accessorizing, that kind of thing. And I thought that was kind of ridiculous. But now seeing where we're at, maybe they were right. Maybe they were right. Every time we see these crazy things, people are like, if we accept this, then this is going to happen. And people are like, that was such a ridiculous thing to say back then. And I'm like, well, we went right where they said we were going to go. So maybe 
maybe they had a point. Maybe they had a point when they, they were, were talking correct. about this. It's unbelievably clear how correct they were. I remember uh, watching a documentary back in the 50s. They were complaining about rock and roll music. Where they mm-hmm. would, people would be moved to lust and sex. And, and here and, we are and celebrating we are. sodomy now. And here we are. Now, this last story in the last minute we have, uh, speaking of the whole transgender horror, is the CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has endorsed trans women for chest-feeding infants. This is reported by Catholic Vote. Check out that article there. Trans women, remember, trans women means men. When people say trans woman, they mean they're a man who likes to cross-dress. They're men who are transvestites. That's what they mean. And they say chest-feeding, so they want babies to try to receive milk from men's chest. Tell me what's wrong with this picture. Do I need to spell that out? Why that is wrong? Why that's bad? Adrian, that's what the sign says. Well, that's the problem, right? So the FDA, the CDC, these are the medical professionals that we're supposed to trust, that we're supposed to say, okay, these people know what's best for us. These people, if they say you need to get this medicine, you should take this medicine. If they say you need to wear this, you should wear that. But also, did you know men can breastfeed? That's ridiculous. It's absurdity. And the the way to do this, they're saying, because obviously men can't do this, they're recommending these artificial hormones to try to stimulate so that way men can actually do this. And, of course, what's the question of what is going to be what you're giving your child? What will your son or your daughter be receiving if someone, some pervert decides to do this? You're going to destroy your child. For what? For your sexual deviancies? For your perversion? Utter absurdity. Utter absurdity. These are the people we're supposed to trust. So there you go. Trust the science, guys. Trust the science. Don't question anything. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the Second Amendment. We're going to be talking about constitutional carry. So stay with us. We'll be right back with more. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the very contemporary and popular idea that a faith alone salvation, which occurs by repenting of sins and asking Jesus in one's heart, sufficient to enter and warrant heaven upon death? I say, no, it's not. Many evangelicals will say, just follow the Romans road, which is four verses snatched out of the book of Romans, and when followed, heaven is promised. Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Gospels, nor the Epistles, nor the Apostolic and early church fathers ever wrote anything like this mechanical approach. Secondly, the marriage experience. After wrongdoing and temporary departure from your family, does a simple one-time, hey honey, I'm really sorry, bring you back into the family? And thirdly, teaching of the Catholic Church, water baptism, loving God and neighbor, which is displayed by consistent acts of charity while maintaining a perseverant hope of heaven is the surest way to God's eternal presence. And my pesky comeback, that Romans road is presumptuous and significantly dumbs down the holy value and price of salvation. And remember, that Romans road has some potholes. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. Today is Friday, July 7th, 2023 in the year of our Lord. And these are your headlines for this morning. 
LifeNews.com is reporting that Georgia heartbeat law has been saving as many as 1,800 unborn babies from abortion every month since it went into effect last year. State Health Department data obtained by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper shows a nearly 50% drop in abortions. Hooray! Catholic News Agency is reporting an unknown vandal or vandals sawed down a 14-foot cross at a Catholic-run retreat center in Orange County, California, and investigators are considering whether the act was a hate crime. It's still a mystery why an apparent hateful person destroyed the cross using a chainsaw, said Mark Meckelrath, executive director of the Santiago Center. The Orange County Register reports. LifeNews.com and Reuters are reporting the latest Rasmussen Report's national telephone and online service finds that 52% of likely U.S. voters approve of the court overturning Roe v. Wade. LifeNews.com is reporting on Independence Day, a federal judge issued a temporary injunction bar, bar, barring the Biden administration from directly communicating with social media platforms about protected free speech. Free speech advocates are seeing the ruling as a victory against the widespread censorship and deplatforming that have occurred on platforms like Twitter and Facebook in recent years. LifeSite News is reporting a new, newly published United Nations report suggests that religious rights must be subordinated to the supposed rights of the LGBT agenda and its adherents. My oh my, how unexpected. And finally... Catholic World News and Vatican News are reporting Pope Francis to visit Fatima to implore peace for Ukraine and the entire world. On August 5th, during his apostolic journey to Portugal on the occasion of World Youth Day, Pope Francis will lead the recitation of the Rosary at the Chapel of Apparitions of the Shrine of Our Lady of Fatima. I am Tito Edwards, and these are today's headlines through a Catholic lens. Thank you, Tito, for keeping us up today. You know... I really think that it's uh, it's good he goes to Fatima. We need more and more people to uh, to return to Fatima. Lord knows America needs. Have, Fatima. have you been to Fatima? I wish. I want to go to Fatima. Me too. I, that's uh, that's on my bucket list. That's a big one. My uh, my Lords family is uh, thinking about taking a, a pilgrimage out to Fatima. Maybe maybe this year, maybe next year, and hopefully I'll be able to. To get some time and, and do oh, that you with them, do but it. we'll see. And the we'll food is outstanding in Portugal too, and inexpensive. Well, honestly, I'm a really picky eater. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll just uh, I'll just bring um, I'll just drink some water and some bread. They don't That's eat that many do. salads in Portugal, so you're good. There you go. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Uh, joining us right now is Rolando de la Fuente. He served on the Houston Police Department for six years, and for the last 22 years, he has honed his knowledge of tactical home and personal defense as well as tactical defense technologies and he's joining us to talk about the topic of um, constitutional carry and the second amendment so thank you for joining us mr de la fuente thank you adrian it's nice to be back here on the show absolutely it's good to have you now it's very interesting because we saw the story come out from florida where they were talking about the uh, the new law which people were freaking out about. They're saying this is horrible. Uh, basically, everybody and anybody can carry guns now. Criminals are going to be uh, buying all these guns, and it's going to be a disaster. And I was like, mm, that doesn't seem like that's probably the reality of it. So let's start there. Let's start with Florida. What's going on there? Well, uh, Florida does be, uh, became the 26th state to enact or to you know to pass a law of constitutional carry. 
What is constitutional carry? Constitutional carry is basically where the government does not require a law-abiding citizen to require a permit to carry a, a handgun or a pistol, right, in this case, or a firearm. Um, but the key there is law-abiding citizen. Hmm. There's still re- rules that say that if you are, do not fall within what they consider a law-abiding citizen or a, a specific age group, you are not allowed still to carry a firearm, right, you know, without a permit, or, or you, just, you just can't. A lot of the states, out of the 27 states that have some form of constitutional carry law in the books, uh, have an age uh, uh, a regulation that says, you know, 21 or over, very few have 18 or over. And, of course, if you have, uh, if you're a criminal, especially violent crime criminal, you cannot, you know, you cannot carry a, 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 a firearm even if a permit is not required. Mm. That's all that, that that means. I mean, this is not the wild, wild west. Right, know? right. It makes sense. It makes sense that you would say that because um, it make the it's very clear you have rights unless you're a criminal, which is why we can lock people up because <laughs> if you're you commit a crime then you can be uh in prison for that so even more so could you say you can't exercise your right to the second amendment if you're a criminal so that makes perfect sense to me now many people are concerned by this but i always think why are you concerned about criminals getting guns because criminals get guns anyway but that's the fallacy right that's the fallacy of the gun control mindset uh remove all guns and we're all going to be safe well, I mean, we know that that doesn't happen. I mean, if you look at countries that have very strict gun controls, if you look at states and cities that have very strict gun control, even in this country, what happens? I mean, criminals still do crime. You know, they do what criminals do. They still have access to weapons. Uh, and even if they don't have a, a access to a firearm, they'll use other means to commit a crime. There are plenty of laws on the books already to punish lawbreakers, mm-hmm. right? I mean, if you murder somebody, that's against the law. It doesn't matter how you do it, with what object you do it with, whether it's your bare hands, whether it's a firearm, whether it's a knife, a vehicle, whether it's poison, whether it's a baseball bat, it makes no difference. You murder somebody, you murder somebody. That's against the law. So why are you going to keep enacting more and more laws, throwing into the books that at the end of the day do not stop the criminals from doing what they're going to do? So we need to change the mindset of people to respect life, mm. to respect what God gave us, not vilify objects that, you know, it's, it's, it's the human is the one that, that, that makes the act, not right. the object. Right, of course, yeah, the, it's very, very interesting. We were talking about this yesterday, actually, about the, the kind of the trope. It's kind of a, a slogan, but it's true. Uh, they say People say uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, there are tools, and we use them. Uh, we either use them for good or we use them for bad, and so we should use them for good. Now, it's interesting you say, okay, we should create this kind of respect for life among all people, and there, that would be the solution. But that's kind of the point of, of having a concealed carry is because you know that some people don't respect life. Otherwise, I mean, why would you need to carry a gun? Uh, so let's talk about that for a second. Why do you think that a concealed carrying is a is a good thing for your a a law abiding citizen to do? Well, first of all, uh, let me try to answer your question. I think it's a good thing, you know, for people concealed carry. And, my, and I'm and I'm speaking in general terms. It's just like every other object, every other tool. It's not for everybody. Okay, it's like a vehicle. Some people just do not. Drive. My mom never learned how to drive. She was always afraid of it. You know, she's 90-something years old, and she never learned how to drive. 
it wasn't for her. Okay, we have to respect that because if she had been forced to do so, and maybe something bad would have happened, right? Same thing with the gun. You have to respect that. Like, you know, I, I think the last time I was here on your show, I, I explained that the gun is a tool. You know, a firearm is a tool. A baseball bat is a tool. A drill is a tool. Fire is a tool, and you have to respect it. So, I believe that people who feel comfortable, who take the time to to understand what it is, what it is really used for, what can, but it it is meant to be used for and take the time to take some training and learn how to use it, should be allowed to carry if they're a law-abiding citizen. If, you don't, you know, if you're not going to take the time to understand it and use it and, and carry it responsibly, then it's not for you. Mm, that makes sense. And it's funny you say that because I was actually I was getting a haircut a few, um, a few weeks ago, and whenever I went to go get a haircut, the man, was, we were just chatting, and he was telling me, yeah, you know, um, what did you, what did you do this last weekend? And actually that was the weekend uh, that we had gone out to go shoot. And I was like, Oh yeah, I went shooting and, um, they were telling me like, Oh, you know, I'm kind of against guns. I'm not, I'm kind of anti-gun, but I just got married and my, where my wife's going to give birth. And I was thinking, you know, living in Houston, it's a little crazy sometimes. Maybe I should go and buy a gun, but I'm kind of scared about buying a gun because I, I don't really know how to use one. I've never really shot them that much, and I, I just don't think it, it'll be safe to get one. And so what would you say to someone who has that kind of uh, mentality? I would say do not buy the gun until you have talked to somebody about it that knows there's an expert on it, right? Uh, try to get some knowledge about the different types of weapons. Uh, what fits with his idea of personal defense, right? If this is something just for the house, maybe a pistol is not the right choice. It may be something, you know, other than the pistol. Perhaps a shotgun may be a better choice. Perhaps no firearms is a better choice, right? It depends on the person. But I would, I would advise a person like that is not to go and purchase anything yet. Go and try to take some classes first. Go and speak to somebody who, who's an expert at this and try to get a, an understanding of what it is that you're really looking at. I think that's the better idea than just going out and buy and putting in your drawer and, mm-hmm. you know. No, I think that's a great, that's great advice. And I know uh, people, if they, they're in the, in the Houston area, they can reach out to, uh, to you at mlrtactical.com and check you out there. But um, we're going to be, we're going to go to a break. When we come back, we're going to follow up on this topic and uh, discuss a little bit more about concealed carry about what to think about and what to expect if you decide that's something you want to do and how to be safe i think that's a a key thing that we should all desire is safety so we'll be right back with more Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. What's the primary reason you chose your present church? Doctrinal positions? Your family's church? The pastor? Church friendliness? Dynamic youth ministry? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, statistics. A survey showed that 87% of those who attend a non-Catholic church choose their church because of the senior pastor's sermons. Secondly, the reason for Catholics, this comes from Canon Law 518, which says, as a general rule, a parish is to be one which includes all the Christian faithful of a certain territory. And thirdly, my response, the average span of a mature Christian staying at a non-denominational church is between 18 and 24 months. Why such a short time? You know the reason. They came because we love the pastor and his sermons. He's so relatable and so current. Whoops, now they're tired of relatable and current, so just go down the street. They found some new relatable and current. Oh, the alluring draw of charisma. Fortunately, at a Catholic church, the sermon is not the central moment. Do you know what is the central moment? Body and blood. Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. It's always good to be here. And despite whatever's going on in the world, it's good to be here. It's always good to be here. Uh, we're talking with Rolando De La Fuente with MLR-Tactical.com. And we're talking about home defense, about safety, about protecting yourself. Uh, but specifically, we're talking about concealed carry and the Second Amendment. Now... Before we jump into the details about concealed carry, I want to talk about the Second Amendment for a second. We just celebrated the 4th of July, and so uh, we uh, red-blooded Americans uh, like our uh, fireworks, and it's kind of like a, um, a symbol almost of the Second Amendment in my mind, and this idea of using fireworks, which is why it drives me nuts, the, uh, the law surrounding fireworks, where it's like, no, you can't do them this, you can't do it from this time to this time, you can only use the, all these different laws for I'm like... We're celebrating freedom, aren't we? And so I think it's kind of funny. But Second Amendment, we have all these laws being passed in different states allowing for uh, what people are calling constitutional carry. So what is your idea or your view of the Second Amendment, how it applies to uh, to American citizens? Well, I'm, I'm a very pro-Second Amendment person. I am a very pro-Bill of Rights citizen. Um, Bill of Rights or, or the amendments are laws not from the government to the people. They're not liberties provided from the government to the people. They're actually limitations of the people to the government. In other words, the Second Amendment states that the government shall not limit me as a citizen, as a law-abiding citizen of the United States of America to you know, not carry or not bear arms. Same thing with the First Amendment, freedom of speech. The government will not impose any limitations on me freedom of speech, freedom of religion, right? So, and that's the one thing that I think the message has been lost over time is that people believe that these amendments are laws that were granted to the people by the government. It's really the reverse. Mm. And the message has been muddied, you know, by these activist groups, right? Um, just like they muddy everything else. It's, it's all propaganda, right? you know, when they call, when they, when they mention um, violence, and they, they're, they're very uh, anti-gun, they'll call it, they're, they're calling crime gun violence, right? So they're trying to vilify uh, an object, an mm -hmm. inanimate object. Um, I think you really should call it what it is, you know? It's, it's, it's human violence. It's, mm -hmm. You know, you need to change the, the human thinking about, about respecting other people, other people's property. So here's my question for you then. I, was, uh, I always say whenever these things happen, whenever they, people talk about a, a gun violence incident, my question is always, what law could have been passed that would have prevented this particular crime? Because I feel like a lot of times people would just say, oh, we need common sense gun laws, but they propose laws that have nothing to do with the actual case that people are talking about. And so I'm thinking, for example, if there is a crime of passion and someone catches their spouse in the act of doing something infidelity, infidelity and they end up killing the person, 
well, it doesn't matter what weapon they had. They were going to kill that person. So there's pretty much nothing you could have done to prevent that from happening. If you had no guns, they would have used a knife. If they didn't have a knife, they would have strangled them. Who knows what would have happened. And so that's kind of my mindset when it comes to these kind of situations. So what are your thoughts about actually solving the quote-unquote gun violence problem? Well, it goes back to human nature and, and, and guiding human nature to respect others, to respect oneself, and to respect life. Right? It's to respect other people's properties, other people's well-being, and just human, just basic human courtesy. And I think we've we've lost a lot of that over the in the in the last few decades. Right? Mm-hmm. It's become a perversion of of uh, do what you want, don't worry about anybody else. Only you matter. You're entitled to this. You deserve this. This is the message that I that I see in a lot of commercials. You know, when they're uh, proposing whatever, uh, you deserve this. Mm-hmm. You know, no, you don't deserve for you to do whatever you want, you know, and, and the heck with everybody else, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to respect that there, there's boundaries that need to be observed and they need to be respected, and we've lost a lot of that. Yeah, I always tell people, um, the only thing I deserve is hell. That's it. It's the only thing I deserve. Everything else is a, is a free gift from God. Any good thing, it's a grace from God. If I get to heaven, praise be to God, that's a gift from God. I deserve nothing except hell. That's the only thing I ever earned in my life. Uh, so I always try to uh, kind of put that in my mind. And so when bad things happen, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, obviously I don't want bad things to happen, but it's not the uh, it's not the end of the world. Because if you have this entitlement mentality, then I can see how you're just your whole world gets destroyed when bad things happen. Uh, but let's go over to to conceal carry. So people that want to say, OK, we're going to conceal carry. What are the things that you would need to be concerned about? And whenever let's say you're someone who does not know much about guns and you see someone concealed carry, what should your reaction be? I know a lot of people get kind of scared when they see the imprint or things like that, and they notice a concealed carry. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, it's, 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 it's a very broad subject, right? Uh, there's a lot to unpack here. But let me, let me say this first. Um, as, 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 as a human being, as a man, I used to gravitate to sports cars. I mean, especially when I was young. I mean, I, I like sports. I never owned one, never cared to work on one per se, but I like them. You know, I, I like the big tires and the noise, whatever. As I'm getting older, not so much, okay? So whenever I see a young person speeding down the, the, the highway, racing with somebody else on a sports car, and they're putting other people in danger, so I'm like, you know, that should not be allowed. You know, I mean, you know, there's no reason why the young person should have a sports car. It's my own bias, my own personal bias of not understanding of of imposing my fear of what that person might do with that object because it's being used irresponsibly in my view, right? Same thing with a gun, right? Somebody that does not like weapons because they're afraid of them, they don't understand them, or they have a, a, another reason to be fearful of them, and, and that's, you know, I respect that. I would never want to be walking around showing my, you know, my concealed carry weapon uh, at a store just because I don't think that that's, even though it's allowed in this state, I don't think that that's the right thing to do, right? I always cover my weapon, or I always have a jacket. I always have, you know, a uh, shirt, you know, uh, untucked if, if if that's, you know, in this heat, right? If, if that's what it takes. So I'm not going to impose my beliefs on somebody else, or, or my right to carry a firearm, right? Um, but at the same time, if somebody sees me, the imprint of the gun, I I would hope that they would respect the the fact that um, I'm not posing a danger to them, that they're not going to come and try to um, uh, berate me. For you know, for exercising my right, right, mm-hmm. especially if I'm doing it responsibly. 
Yeah, that's, that's a good point, and I, I think that the the car analogy is very good. I mean, you see uh, you see somebody with it, and if they're if they are using it irresponsibly, then yeah, I mean, obviously, if they're breaking the law, the police will will pull them over, or it should pull them over anyway. Right. But the uh, but if they're just driving a a nice, uh, very fast sports vehicle, but they are driving within the limits of the law, well, they're not doing anything wrong. I think that's a very good analogy to to make there. But the other thing is. I think whenever I personally see people conceal carry when I'm out and about, I actually feel more comfortable because I'm like, okay, if something goes wrong, there are people around who it's probably because people tend to be the uh, people who conceal carry tend to be uh, more law abiding and tend to be more trained than even more most police officers statistically. And so I usually feel more comfortable around those kind of situations. Is that a reasonable position to hold? Is that, or am I kind of uh, loony? <laughs> well, I mean, it, uh, you know, it's a spectrum, right? Uh, you just can't, you know, it's not a, a, a line where people that carry are, you know, are, are, are more law-abiding than people that don't. Or, uh, I mean, it's a spectrum, right? Uh, it's just like in the police force. You mentioned the police department. When I was in the police department, you know, many, many moons ago, uh, there were some of us that took our uh, firearms training very seriously and others who did not. Right. So some of us were, you know, would consider ourselves to be um, very well adept at using of arms when, when if we ever, ever had to. And then other officers that uh, I work with, I was like, you know, I really hope that I never have to have into a gunfight with him backing me up because that gun is so dirty. I can tell that he's never taken it out of the holster in the past year or so, except mm-hmm. maybe to qualify. I don't even know if that gun is going to work. So. Uh, same thing, you know, with you know, with with uh, civilians, right? I mean, uh, those of those of us that conceal carry, and we take the time to train, we take the time to understand. We, you know, our hope is that we will do a good job if we're called to do so, right? We're not out there looking for anything, you know, for anything bad. But if it happens, we're we're, we're we pray, or at least I do, that I will do the right thing, right? Now, what is the right thing? I don't know because every situation is very fluid, and it changes. You know, fraction, you know, uh, you know, second by second, right? So, um, that's the best way that I can answer your question. Mm. Now, for people who want to conceal carry, what are the, the considerations that they should have going into it? You you mentioned that basically every situation is unique, and so you can't really have a one hard and fast rule. So, what are some principles that someone should keep in mind whenever they are wanting to conceal carry or just use a gun in general? Right. Uh, well, primarily is obviously. I mean, I don't. I don't put on my my concealed carry gun every morning and say, God, I hope I get into a gunfight. I mean, that's that's not what this is for, right? The, the the gun is is for my my protection, my protection of my loved ones. So I would say is if you're going to conceal carry or if you're going to carry at all, you need to understand what you're doing. You need to understand the law so that you don't get yourself in trouble. You need to understand yourself. You know, are you going to be able to depend on yourself, you know, the way you're going to react? And you're really not going to know until you're in that situation, which is really uh, the hard part, right? I can tell you that when I was in the police department and I was involved in a shooting, I did not have any fear in the moment. I, from what I was told later by other officer who heard the commotion in the radio, I acted accordingly. And looking back on it during that moment, I did act accordingly. Now, later when I had the time to sit down and think about it, that's when the fear came in. Right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, you know, I could have been shot through the door. I could have, you know, not called for help uh, adequately or whatever the case may be. So you do not know how you're going to act in those, in those moments. So that's the reason why I think that realistic training, uh, like the kind of training that I put you through when we went to the gun range, it introduces a level of adrenaline 
that you do not have when you go to the gun range at any typical gun range, mm. right? Those gun ranges are great, are great to practice fundamentals, or if you're going to go test gun, if you want to you know, call it that. But you really need some training where that kind of puts you in a little bit of a stressful situation, so that just so that you can see whether you are going to be able to operate. And, and, that, and that training still does not reach the level of fear, of, of you know, just a fear of either you're going to lose your life or even worse, that somebody that you love is going to get hurt. That just induces a level of fear that most of us just don't experience it until maybe once in our lifetime if we're unlucky, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, hope most people probably never even ha ever have to draw their weapon in a real situation. Right. And praise be to God, we would pray that that is the case for everyone. Um, if people want to learn what you're saying and they're in Houston, they can go to MLR-Tactical.com and, and contact you and do training with you. Uh, but if, uh, if they're not in Houston and they can't go to there's MLR... Plenty, there's plenty of, of good instructors mm -hmm. out there. There's plenty of good you know, uh, 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 firearms training schools out there. Find the one that is closest to you. Find the one that makes sense. But find something not only to teach you the fundamentals, which everybody needs, and the safety aspect of it, but find some, someone that will teach you a little bit about uh, scenario type mm. of training that can put you in that stressful situation, that can get that, you know, the heart elevated, you know, that, that, that a little bit of, of doubt in you so that you can understand, hopefully, that this is not just something that you pull out your gun for any situation, right? That there's a lot of aspects that need to be uh, trained and where uh, muscle memory really plays a role in this. Because mm. For sure, for sure. So that you can check out MLR-Tactical.com if you're in the greater Houston area than uh, MLR-Tactical and you can do some training with Mr. De La Fuente here. Uh, if you're not in Houston, well, make sure you find a, someone in your neck of the woods and hopefully a Catholic. See if you can find a Catholic. Support Catholics when you can and go and uh, learn how to use a firearm. Even if you like, I never want to buy one, it'll be good to just know about them and how to use one safely if you're ever in a situation where it requires it. But God bless you. God love you. We'll be right back. Dave Palmer coming up talking about Socrates and Jesus. What's the connection? We'll be back. I also want to dialogue with all the young people. Catholics are committed to building a society which is truly tolerant and inclusive. Let us treat others with the same passion and compassion with which we want to be treated. Come and see what good things God is waiting for you at catholicscomehome.com. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. When you walk into your non-denominational church or your megachurch, what do you see? What stands out to you? Well, here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, observations in a Catholic church. You will notice at least eight items, all of which have religious, historical, or biblical significance. Secondly, what are those items? As soon as you walk in, the can't-miss baptismal font, a stone altar, stained glass windows, 14 stations of Christ's passion, statues, a gold tabernacle, a lit candle near the tabernacle, and a large crucifix. Thirdly, my take. So, what seems to fill your church and truly move you toward Jesus? Oh, I know you don't need a physical or superfluous objects to move you toward Jesus. He's everywhere and in your heart. And that is true. But tell that to Moses, David, and Solomon, who were under strict and exact directions from God on how to build his house and then fill it with his Shekinah glory. I mean, does a comfy chair, does a flashy Fender guitar, does a well-fashioned stage move you toward contemplation and holiness? Remember, stages are for entertainment, but sanctuaries are for worship. 
I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with the Catholic apologists. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Faith, hope, charity. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father Preston Cantella from Our Lady of Perpetual Help in Sweeney and St. John the Apostle in West Columbia. You're listening to the AM 1430 KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. And welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. No matter what happens, no matter what anybody says, remember, it's good to be here. It's good to be here. It's good to be here with you, and it's good to be here on earth. Walking the ground, waking up in the morning, seeing the sunrise. It's good to be here. Praise be to God. We were just wrapping up a conversation with Rolando de la Fuente. We were talking about uh, gun control. You should check out his uh, website, mlr-tactical.com. The website's pretty simple, but uh, if you want to get training in how to use a firearm, especially in active situations, he gives uh, lessons from the easiest level to just people wanting to learn the absolute basics to advanced level like learning how to uh, move with the, with a weapon in your hand and how to uh, run away from a situation with a weapon in your hand all these different things so it's a very very good situation and like you said there's people that do things like this all over the country so no matter where you're at uh, find somebody who does that and um, and if you don't know someone I'm sure you know somebody that was in the in the military that was a marine or a or a something like that that could uh, you should ask and be like, hey, do you know somebody, or can you give me training on how to do that? Uh, preferably, try to get a Catholic. It's always good to support Catholics, especially when you hire people for different things. We should always support our our brothers and sisters in Christ first and foremost. So I always try to make sure I look for Catholics whenever I'm doing anything first, and then if I can't find anybody that's Catholic, then I go to uh, outside of the faith, outside of that. So that's always uh, something that I do. But uh, joining us right now is Dave Palmer. He's our executive director of the Dallas-Fort Worth office. Uh, And, well, more akin to our show, we're going to be talking to him about Back to the Father, which they're not having a show today, but they're going to have a show next Friday. Uh, But we wanted to bring him back on anyway. So good morning to you, Dave. Oh, we uh, need to uh, turn your your mic on and... um, or your phone on is what I meant to say. You need to turn your phone on there. Uh, so there you go. Can you hear me, Dave? I can. I can. Good morning. Oh, there we go. The uh, got a little loop there. We need to mute the mute the Zoom computer there, Taylor. Uh, but thank you very much, Dave, for hopping on with us. Um, we're today uh, next Friday. You're planning on talking about Socrates, and we could talk for hours about Socrates. So we're going to be talking a little bit about him today and a little bit about him. Uh, next Friday as well, probably. But let's start from the beginning. The many people may not really know who Socrates is, and so why is this person important, and who is he? 
Yeah, well, great question. Socrates was a Greek philosopher. He was born in 469 BC, died in 399. So just to kind of get a historical perspective, about 400 years before Christ was born, uh, he lived. And he never wrote anything, but most people have heard of Plato and Aristotle. And Plato was Socrates' student, and Aristotle was Plato's student. So everything really that we get from Plato and Aristotle came from Socrates. And in fact, all the philosophers that came before Socrates were kind of, you know, identified as the pre-Socratics. So he basically is philosophy. You know, if you came before him, you're a pre-Socratic. All the philosophers after him, really post-Socratic. So really, I would say he's the father of Western philosophy. And as we're going to talk about, I know in a moment, uh, a lot of similarities to Jesus. And his big emphasis was know thyself and seek the truth. And as I tuned in this morning and you were talking about the whole issue of the CDC declaring, you know, man can breastfeed, you know, you know, just just even questioning that in our culture today, questioning something that's so clearly untrue makes you unpopular. And this is what ultimately got Socrates killed. So he he died for his cause. Yeah, for sure. It's interesting. The, the I forgot who it was. I was trying to I was trying to remember who said this quote, but it, it was said that all of Western philosophy is a footnote to Socrates. And I think that's a very, very true because really, like you said, all of Western philosophy is built upon Socrates. And many people, unfortunately, are just not aware of who this man is. And you mentioned the why he got killed and those things. So uh, let's actually go into that. Let's start there. And this kind of bring, will bring up our, our topic of how does he relate to our Lord? And so let's start here. This man, before Christ was born, before Christ was conceived, how is earth is this guy related to our Lord in any way, well, tell me about his uh, his death, his trial, his apology. Yeah, well, he, he was put to death. He, he was tried, and it was an unjust, uh, you know, trial. And ultimately, the, the cause that they, they brought, the, the charge they brought against him was the corruption of the youth and impiety. And, you know, Peter Crave, who's a big fan of Socrates, said that, you know, Athens at the time was known for being very tolerant, but they couldn't tolerate somebody like Socrates because he exposed their ignorance. And so ultimately, they had to kind of bring some kind of charge against him. Uh, but in the end, he was making people uncomfortable, and he united the enemies, kind of like Jesus did. And he exposed untruth. He exposed people's uh, arrogance and lack of wisdom, and uh, ultimately he made enough people uncomfortable <laughs> that they had to put him to death, and they thought by putting him to death they'd put his cause to death, just like Jesus, but obviously we're talking about him, you know, thousands of years later. And it's funny, I was just thinking about the his, uh, his apologia whenever he goes over to defend himself, and he admits, like, oh yeah, well, I mean, I'm telling you the truth, and these are the things you don't like to hear, and so, yeah, I mean, and so they ask him, oh, well, what punishment should we give you for your crime? And Socrates, being a, kind of the, the wise guy that he was, he was, <laughs> instead of, he could have, because it seemed as though, kind of very much like Pontius Pilate, he didn't, they didn't want to punish him. They just wanted him to stop being a nuisance. And so they were, they were like, what kind of punishment can we give you? Hoping he'd say something like exile or something like that. Instead, he says, you should make me king. 
you should put me in charge of all of you, and that would be the the right punishment. And uh, and so they're like, yeah, that's not going to work out for you. And so it's a very interesting little connection I was thinking about when you were when you were speaking there about um, our Lord uniting the enemies against him, and so too does Socrates. And also the interesting thing about impiety to the gods, he kind of was a monotheist in a time where polytheism was the norm. Very interesting to see that kind of connection there. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, that's true. Obviously, the the Greek culture was polytheistic, and I think that was one of the things that they said he was corrupting the youth. But he came to understand that there really could only be one God through reason. And he also believed in the immortality of the soul, which even Aristotle didn't believe, you know, which which is interesting. So Aristotle kind of took that in a different direction. Uh, but yeah, so so he very much was focused on the soul. But uh, yeah, it kind of introduced this idea of uh, monotheism. Uh, in fact, even Justin Martyr said we we really need to, and I'm paraphrasing, kind of classify him almost as a Christian because of how much he focused on reason. And you and I were talking yesterday about this whole idea of logos that the Greeks uh, introduced. And of course, the logos was going to be born into the world, uh, you know, 400 years later. But really, that whole idea of logos that we we read about in John John's first his prologue, you know, came from the reasoning of the Greeks hundreds of years before Jesus was born. Mm. Yeah, I know that's so true. And and yeah, we were talking about that yesterday. And I just love. I mean, we start off the the Holy Scriptures uh, at the the traditional Latin Mass. They read at their at the end of every Mass. They read in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was made nothing that was made. And he goes on from there. And it's interesting because the word, the word, word is the Greek word logos, which also means reason, which also means word, which also means uh, wisdom, all these different ideas. And it reflects the Greek mind, which is interesting because John the Baptist or John uh, the Apostle would have been writing to a Greek audience, being having been written this in probably in Patmos, um, he would have been writing to a Greek audience, and they would have understood this. And he also says this, and this is what made me think about your your connection. You told me, oh, yeah, there's a connection between between Jesus and Socrates, and I was thinking about this. He says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John, this man for a witness to give testimony to light that all men might believe through him. And I'm thinking... What would a Greek audience have thought there? They've been, they would have probably been thinking the Greek philosophers. Like, oh, there, they, there was the man, John, who literally prefigured the coming of Christ quite in a literal way, but in a more broad way. The Greek philosophers were preaching about the coming of the Logos, preparing the Greek people to receive the Logos. I think that's very interesting. What are your thoughts on that, Dave? Yeah, no, I think it's right. I think you know, God, God in his providence prepares... Uh, you know, people, obviously the most excellent way he prepared was through the prophets of the Old Testament, but in uh, this land uh, where philosophy was born, I, I think it would be fair to say that God was preparing these people who were going to have such an amazing influence uh, on the world. Think of the fact that Alexander the Great's uh, private tutor was Aristotle. I mean, this is a guy who's going to go across the world conquering the entire you know known world at the time, and his own you know, private tutor was Aristotle, who was taught by Plato, who was influenced by Socrates. And so I, I think God, as we know, <clears throat> excuse me, as we know, kind of knew what he was doing. And I, I do think he was preparing the, the world for Jesus through the Greek philosophers. Yeah, I mean, uh, Scripture says he came in the fullness of time. So he, he knew when he was coming. 
and he knew how to prepare the way. Now, this is interesting. You brought this up, and I was like, this is interesting. I never, ever didn't know that bad philosophers talked about Socrates. And you said uh, most good philosophers love Socrates, and most bad philosophers hate him. And I was thinking, I didn't know bad philosophers even mentioned Socrates. So tell me about that. Yeah, yeah, I think that's definitely true. If you look, and, and I'm in a stage of my life where I'm doing a pretty deep dive on a lot of philosophers, and I'm noticing that uh, a, a lot of them, like, like here's some classic examples. Uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, his, his, he admitted his two greatest opponents uh, who ever lived were Socrates and Jesus, okay? Uh, Nietzsche called himself the Antichrist, okay? So he was obviously against Christ, but he also had great disdain for, for Socrates. And uh, Martin Luther uh, was not a fan of Socrates. Jean, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, um, Bertrand Russell had horrible things. Bertrand Russell was a famous English atheist. But then you look at people like uh, Soren Kierkegaard, Thomas Aquinas, Justin Martyr, as I mentioned. Uh, but it, it is, there is a division, and I'm not saying it's absolute, but pretty much if a philosopher these days goes back and says, I have a lot of respect for Socrates, that's a very good sign. And if he doesn't, I, I think you might, you might be suspect of him. Yeah, very interesting. And the, the way Socrates kind of, um, because I am not the, because you know, people kind of, um, okay, so let's, let's restart that conversation. Socrates <laughs> is kind of a scene through the prison of Plato. So when we think Plato, we're really thinking Socrates and we kind of uh, struggle to try to make a distinction between what's Plato, what's Socrates, because Socrates never wrote, which is another connection with our Lord. And so tell me about, let's start there for a second. Uh, what do we know about Socrates? Like, what's the source of knowledge of Socrates? And how does that connect with uh, the connection, what we know about our Lord? Yeah, that, that's, uh, yeah, you're right. Like, like I said, Socrates never wrote anything down, but, but uh, Plato wrote all these dialogues. He wrote, uh, you know, countless dialogues. And al- almost every one of the dialogues is focused on, a, a laser focused on defining some term. Like, for example, what is justice? What is virtue? What is piety? What is courage? What is friendship? And uh, it was Kierkegaard, again, who said, what Christianity needs most is another Socrates. And I think you can understand what he means by that is today there's so much confusion. There's so much ambiguity and, and murkiness. And what Socrates did and what got people so upset is that he had this just really focused intention on finding out what do these terms mean? Mm-hmm. You know, we have this, you know, Matt Walsh, you know, made a whole movie on what is a woman, you know, and, and it's like the fact that we even have to ask that question in our culture today means that we are, we've lost track of terms. So that's what Plato did. Plato took the teachings of Socrates and put them in a dialogue form. And Socrates was in most of the dialogues. He was normally the one dialoguing with somebody in, in Socrates' dialogues. And so, yeah, we, we know Socrates through Plato. That's great. You know, I'm, we're out of time. That's very unfortunate. We'll have to pick up this conversation next Friday when we uh, get back to the Father. But uh, that just parked like a dozen other topics that I wanted to, to go into. But unfortunately... We're going to have to wait till next Friday whenever Dave is back on. We bring back Socrates and talk a little bit more. Uh, but God bless you, Dave. Thanks a lot, Adrian. Good talking with you. Thank you. So that's going to lead us into Fear and Trembling, our Catholic trivia game show. You could be the winner. Today we're giving away the prize, the book from Sophia Institute Press. Call in 877 757 9424 877 
877-757-9424. One last time, 877-757-9424. Call now. We'll be right back. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family, almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. (laughs) The Catholic Trivia Game Show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 757-9424. That's the number to call. You could be the winner. Today, we're giving away a prize, and we always take the first caller. That number, 877-757-9424. You may be asking, what am I listening to here? What's going on? Well, it's very simple. I have three Catholic trivia questions here, and the trick is that you don't have to know the answer to win. In fact, you don't need to know anything about Catholic theology, philosophy, trivia, anything of the above, because I'm not going to ask you the question. I'm going to ask Tito the question, and it's your job to tell me whether or not Tito is correct or whether or not he is wrong. You'll have 15 seconds, and that means every single question, you have a 50-50 chance of getting it right, even if you just guess. The odds are in your favor. So very, very good. So that number to call, 877-757-9424. And every right answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Tito, what could they win? Thank you, Adrian. The fear and trembling prize for today is a book by Sophia Institute Press called The Devout Life, A Modern Guide to Practical Holiness with St. Francis de Sales. That book, I have that book myself, and I highly recommend it uh, to anyone that's looking to purchase and expand and develop their spiritual life. And that number to call if you want to participate is 877-757-9424. Yep, there you go. So make sure you call in because we are giving away the prize today. That book from Sophia Institute Press, The Devout Life, a very good book with St. Francis de Sales, Learning Holiness from St. Francis de Sales. What a better teacher could you have? So we're giving away that today. You could be the winner, 
seven five seven nine four two four. And remember, if you are ever wondering how you can get the number uh, after the show, if I'm not giving it to you right now, and you're saying I want to be able to make sure I get all the information about the show. Well, you can always go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. There you can find all of our information listed, and we would love to have you part of our team there on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Check it out. You can write down our phone number and put that in your in your uh, caller ID, well, not caller ID, what am I looking for? Um, your favorites. Put them in your favorites. You can call us there. Your speed dial. There we go. Speed dial is the word I was looking for. And you can put us there, and you can make sure you call us uh, lickety-split whenever the show starts. So that's the uh, the website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. In order to join us and to speak with us, we'd love to have you there. All right. Joining us right now, uh, let's see who's on the line. Joining us right now. Uh, let's oh, see who's on. I'm getting hearing my myself there. Right now. Is anybody okay? Well, that line is uh, no bueno. So joining us right now is um, how do you say your name? A manuka. It's a manuka. It's N like Nancy. E-N- oh, N. Yes. Nanuka. Yes. There you go. Good morning to you, Nanuka. What? What? Uh, where does that name come from? Well, a good question. Um, I am from the Philippines, oh. but my mother said this is um, um, a Spanish name. Oh, the wow. Philippines says um, a Spanish influence. Um, you know, we were under the Spanish rule for 300 years. Wow, so. well, that's a very beautiful name, Nanuka. A very Thank nice you. name. Uh, my friend of mine is actually uh, working on potentially, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. He's thinking about proposing to his uh, his girlfriend who lives in the Philippines, and so oh, um, wow. big big fan of, uh, of the Philippine uh, people because it's uh, my my buddies over there. So we love we love that we love that. So she's coming over to the United States sometime soon, and maybe they will be getting engaged. Uh, hopefully, she's not listening. So whoops, uh, spoiled that news. <laughs> uh, but there you go. Where are you calling from, Nanuka? Uh, from Northern Virginia. From Northern Northern Virginia. Wonderful. Praise be yeah. to God. That's a D.C. area. We love that. We love that. Where are you off to yeah. this morning? Um, to church. To church. Praise be to God. Uh, make sure you <laughs> offer up a, a little extra Hail Mary for the CDT crew. We'd love to love for that to happen. Thank you Definitely. very much, Nanuka. Uh, are you ready to play the game? Are you familiar with how the game works? Yeah. I am. I listen to you every morning on my way to church. Oh, well, praise be to God. Well, thank you very much. We'd love to hear it. And so you know that you got to be careful because Tito can be tricky sometimes, and you got to keep your ear attuned to the trickiness yeah. of Tito. So, well, let's begin. And the question okay. number one. Mm-hmm. Why are churches often built in the form of a ship? Why are churches often built in the form of a ship? Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. It's a good question. Uh, to symbolize the church as the Ark of Salvation? Oh, okay. Well, there you go. That's certainly, that, that's certainly an option. 
That, All right. Yeah. Let's do. Let's go with that then. Let's go with that then. All righty, Nanuka. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. Why are churches often built in the form of a ship? Tito says it's to symbolize that the church is the ark of salvation. What say you, Nanunka? Um, I'd say he's telling me the truth. You think, think he's telling you the truth? I've talked about Noah's ark and the ark of Peter. Well, that is, in fact, correct. It is the ark of salvation, just like you said. You said the Ark of Noah and the Ark of Peter. That's exactly right, because on the Ark of Noah, no one, no one, Noah, no one, huh? You get it? No oh. one who was not on the Ark was saved. So too today, if you're not on the Ark of Salvation, the Ark of the Church, you will not have salvation. So praise be to God, Anunka. You are doing wonderful, and you got one for one. That's a hundred percent success rate so far. Are you ready for question number two? I am. Let's do it. Question number two. All right. What is the title for one who is granted a more perfect knowledge of God and thus achieves a greater love of God? Uh, uh, the title uh, divine. You're saying divine. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. All right. That's an interesting thing to go with. We're going to go with it, though. All righty, Nanunka. The question on the board, 15 seconds on the clock. What is the title for one who is granted a more perfect knowledge of God and thus achieves a greater love of God? Well, Tito seems to think it's divine. What say you, Nanunka? I am not sure that that is right. Wasn't, like, Adam and Eve given that... um you know, a preternatural, what is it called? Oh, or, interesting. Uh, interesting. Or. So you're going to go with no then? Or blessed, was it? I don't know. I'm going to say no. You're going to say he's wrong. Let's see if you're right. That is correct. It is, in fact, the answer is no. It is not divine. Divine refers to God. But. Uh, you had a very good point there that you made. The, the correct answer is a mystic. Someone who is a mystic oh, is someone who has more perfect knowledge of God and thus a greater love for God. What you're saying is the preternatural gifts, the gifts that Adam and Eve had before the fall. So that's a great little yeah, side topic. Yeah, that was an uh, interesting very answer. Yeah. Very good. We love the, the, love the preternatural gifts. Um, Our Lady she would have had those preternatural gifts because she did not have original sin. Ooh, interesting. Uh, but that's a side tangent. All right, Nanunka, <laughs> you got a two for two. That's a 100% success rate so far. You got two times into the coffee cup of divine providence. Are you ready for question number three? I'm ready. All right. This question, I can see, I can see why someone might think this one is a tr little bit tricky. So let's try this one out. Question number three, Tito. Okay. What is... A general confession. I I do this a lot after reciting my specific sins, and if I forget any, I said and any other sins that I may have committed. So it's uh, just mentioning the previous sins that you've done in oh, general. Interesting. Without specifying. Oh, okay. Yeah. All yeah. right. There you go. So there you go, Nanunka. I was thinking it was a confession from a general um, rather than a sergeant confession. Um, or a private ah. confession. You got your general confession. The captain's um, confession. And then Corporals. you have your, your commander-in-chief 
confession. Yeah. Um, but apparently that's not what he's going to go with. All right, Nanuka, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what is a general confession? Tito seems to think that it is a confession where you kind of generally just kind of casually give some of your past sins at the end of your confession. Um, is that right? Is that wrong, Anuka? What say you? I would say that that's not right. I thought that the general confession was when we start at the beginning of the Mass, when everybody says, you know, you know, but isn't that, I, I, I'm going to say no. That's not so you're going to say no. You're going to say no. That is correct. It is no. However, the uh, it is the general confession is not uh, the confession the confidior that's made during mass. That's that's not the not oh, that not the correct true. answer is it's a repetition of the sins from all previous confessions, or at least from some of them. And typically, people make general confessions before major life events. Um, typically, it's done before someone gets married. Uh, before someone becomes a priest, uh, major life events, oh. people, uh, kings oh. used to make general confessions before their coronation. So I would say people who enter public office should do that. So it's a confession of all past sins in order to some extra grace, I would say, for that. But very, very good, Nanunka. Uh, we're running out of time here, so we're shuffling up the Coffee Cup of Divine Province. We're going to pull a name. Uh, stay on the line. We're going to see maybe your name is there. Uh, let's put a drum roll, please. And we'll see the Drum name roll. is... The winner is Marcus from our Thursday show yesterday. Well, there you go. Praise be to God, Marcus. Nanuka, unfortunately, Sorry, your name was Manuka. not drawn today. But congratulations to Marcus. Nanuka, make sure you uh, call back in in the future. Maybe next time it'll be your chance to win. But God bless you, Nanuka, and have a blessed day. And you. Bye now. And that's going to do it. If you want to join us in the after show, make sure you do so. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. Look up Catholic Drive Time. You can join us there. If not, we'll see you back here at 6 a.m. Central on Monday morning. God bless you. God love you. And we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's Facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass live from Our Lady of Corpus Christi, home of the Salt community. For more information, visit salt.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today we celebrate Friday of week 13 in Ordinary Time. The Holy Sacrifice of the Mass is being offered for all those listening on the Guadalupe Radio Network and all our online viewers. The designs of his heart are from age to age to rescue their souls from death 
and to keep them alive in famine. The designs of his heart are from age to age, to rescue their souls from death and to keep them alive in famine. Glory to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. On this first Friday of July, we remember the most sacred heart of Jesus and his infinite love for each one of us. Brethren, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask the Blessed Virgin, Ever Virgin, all the angels and saints, and to you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Let us pray. Clothe us, Lord God, with the virtues of the heart of your Son, and set us aflame with his love, that conformed to his image, we may merit a share in eternal redemption. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. The span of Sarah's life was 127 years. She died in Kerth Arba, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. And Abraham performed the customary mourning rites for her. Then he left the side of his dead one and dressed the Hittites. Although I am a resident alien among you, sell me from your holding a piece of property for a, bur for a burial ground, that I may bury my dead wife. After the transaction, Abraham buried his wife Sarah in the cave of the field of Machpel, facing memory, that is Hebron, in the land of Canaan. Abraham had now reached the ripe old age, and the Lord had blessed him in every way. Abraham said to the senior servant of his household, who had charge of all his possessions, Put your hand under my thigh, and I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not procure a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I live, but that you will go to my own land and to my kindred to get a wife for my son Isaac. The servant asked him, What if the woman is unwilling to follow me to this land? Should I then take your son back to the land from which you migrated? Never take my son back there for any reason, Abraham told him. The Lord God of heaven, who took me from the father's house, 
and the land of my kin, and who confirmed my oath, the promise he then made to me. I will give this land to your descendants. He will send his messenger before you, and you will obtain a wife for my son there. If the woman is unwilling to follow you, you will be released from the oath, but never take my son back there. A long time later, Isaac went to live in the region of Nagab. One day towards evening, he went out in the field, and he looked around and noticed the, that camels were approaching. Rebekah, too, was looking about, and when she saw him, she alighted from her camel and asked the servant, Who is this man out there walking through the fields towards us? This is my master, replied the servant. Then she covered herself with her veil. The servant recounted to Isaac all the things he had done. Then Isaac took Rebekah into his tent. He married her, and thus she became his wife. In his love for her, Isaac found solace after the death of his mother, Sarah. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Responsorial Psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks, thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endures forever. Who can tell the mighty deeds of the Lord or proclaim of all his praises? Give thanks, thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Blessed are they who observe what is right, who does always what is just. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Give, Give thanks, thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Visit me with your saving help, that I may see the prosperity of your chosen ones. Rejoice in the joy of your people, and glory with your inheritance. Give, Give thanks, thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Yeah, alleluia, alleluia. Come to me, all you labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest, says the Lord. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the customs post. He said to him, Follow me. And he got up and followed him. While he was at table at his house, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat with Jesus and his disciples. The Pharisees saw this and said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? He heard this and said, Those who are well do not need a physician, but the sick do. Go and learn the meaning of the words, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. In our first reading, as we're hearing about the life of Abraham, and we hear at the beginning about the death of Sarah and her burial, and then we move on to the story about how he sent his servant Eleazar to find a wife for his son Isaac. 
And one commentary says, you can divide this story into five vignettes, and of those five, our lectionary reading gives us only the first and the fifth. So in the first, as we heard, Abraham describes to his servant how important it is that he go not to the people, the, the women there in the land of Canaan, but back to where he came from to find a wife for his son Isaac. It makes him promise that he will do this. Then we go on to what we did not hear. The second vignette is as he makes his journey going back to what we would now describe as southeastern Turkey near Syria. And as he gets there, he goes to the well, the spring, and he speaks to the Lord and asks him for a sign. And we notice he asks him not that the Lord would lead him to the most beautiful woman as the sign that this would be the one that he's supposed to choose for Isaac. But instead the sign would be that when he asked the woman to give him water, that she would. And then that on her own initiative, she would offer to also give water to his camels. That would be his sign. We notice, of course, this is not something that just any woman would do when he asked her for it. And in fact, it would reveal something about her heart. Because if she would do that, it would signal that she was alert, that she was caring, that she was assertive, that she noticed his needs and decided to do something about it. Indeed, something that would take a while to keep refilling that water jug from the spring over and over to fill that trough until the camels had drunk everything they wanted to, to just not even have the idea of doing it, but to do it. That's what Eliezer asks for. And she comes. And the Bible says she was very beautiful. And he runs up to her, asks her to, to give him a sip of water. She does. She gives him all the water he wants. And then she does exactly the sign that he wanted. Let me give your camels water also. And he knows then that this is the one that the Lord is leading him to. This is the second vignette, him talking to her. The third one then is when he then goes back to her home and he talks to her family and he tells them all about everything that's happened. And they said, wow, this is really the work of the Lord. And it is. As the commentator points out, the protagonist of this story is the Lord who is guiding and arranging and directing everything that is happening here. The fourth vignette comes the next morning when Eliezer wants to go back that very day, back to Abraham. The family wants Rebecca to stay for 10 days. They ask her, she says, no, I'll go. Right now, right now I'll go. Thus showing again her readiness and the Lord's guiding her. And then finally the fifth vignette, which we heard, where at the end of the journey they encounter Isaac. Rebecca goes to him. They love each other. And they begin a marriage together. So is the great story in Genesis 24 of Eleazar finding Rebecca as a wife for, for, for Isaac. You know, not quite 2,000 years later, there would be a Samaritan woman sitting by a well, at, or going to the well, and she would find there our Lord Jesus. And next to that well, he would ask her for a drink of water. It was not an accident that this repeated, this incident with Eleazar and Rebecca so many years before and other incidents, because our Lord Jesus was going there as the bridegroom to meet her. And though we know that she had difficulties in her life. We see that he treated her with great respect and asked her to become what God was looking for, a worshiper in spirit and in truth. That's another meeting that happened at a well. In our gospel reading, we hear Matthew tell us in his gospel about his meeting with Jesus. And it didn't happen at a well. It happened at his workplace, at a customs post. And there our Lord Jesus, though he saw 
his sin as a tax collector, the way in which he'd exploited his own people for his own riches. He also saw him as a person in need, and he saw what he could become. And he called him to follow him, and we know that he would choose him in, in the future as one of his 12 apostles. And this happens again and again. And our Lord Jesus meets you today. He has been at work so that you right now are here or are listening. The Lord is at work arranging this. And our Lord Jesus meets you. Maybe he's met you at a well. Maybe he's met you at your workplace. Maybe he's simply meeting you in these words as you're listening to him today. And he knows the difficulties you've had in your life. And he knows the sins you've committed. But he also knows you. And he loves you. He knows your good qualities like Rebecca's good qualities, like Matthew's good qualities. He knows the saints he can help you to become. And he asks you to give him a sip of water. And he asks you to receive him. And he asks you to go with him, even now. Be ready to leave people, things behind. Be ready to drop what you have. And say yes, yes to his asking. Yes to his invitation to become his disciple close to his heart. With all humility, let us present our petitions to our Father in heaven. That the Lord may grant unity to Christians, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That hatred may disappear from the world, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That the Lord may strengthen the weak and lighten the load of the elderly, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That he may welcome our deceased brothers and sisters into the company of the saints, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. That our work today may be beneficial to our brothers and sisters. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayers. O Lord, we ask that you hear our prayer. And since without you we can do nothing, strengthen us constantly with your protection. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, we adore you, lay our lives before you, how we love you. Jesus, we adore you, lay our lives before you, how love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. How we love you.
Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and good of all his holy church. O God, Father of mercies, who because of the great love with which you loved us, with untold goodness, gave us your only begotten Son, grant us, we pray, that being perfectly united with him, we may offer you worthy homage. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just. Our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For raised up high on the cross, he gave himself up for us with a wonderful love and poured out blood and water from his pierced side, the wellspring of the church's sacraments, so that one over to the open heart of the Savior, all might draw water joyfully from the springs of salvation. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaos, Lenis Uccelli et Terra, Gloria Tua, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sahana, in You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread, and giving thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it. For this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. Mysterium fidei, mortem tuguam, annunciamus Domine, et tuguam, resurrectionem confitegemur, dohonec venias. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy 
to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope and Michael our Bishop and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the Blessed Apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our, Our Father, Father, who art, art in heaven, hallowed, hallowed be thy, thy name. name. Thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is, it is in heaven. Give us, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom and the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. On you stay, Miserere nobis, agnus dei, qui tolis peccata mundi, dona nobis pacem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord, I am, I am not worthy, worthy that you should enter, enter under, under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. For those who cannot receive sacramental Holy Communion at this time, we pray the act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, 
and a desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, All praise and all thanksgiving Be every moment thine, O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine, all praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. O sacrament most holy, O sacrament divine. All praise and all thanksgiving be every moment thine. Thus says the Lord. Let whoever is thirsty come to me and drink. Streams of living water will flow from within the one who believes in me. Let us pray. Made partakers in your sacrament of charity, we humbly implore your mercy, Lord, that we may be conformed to Christ's honor and merit to be co-heirs of his glory in heaven, who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Thanks be to God. Salve Regina, Mater misericordiae, vita tu sedo, et spes nostra salve. A te clamamus, exudes filieve, a te suspiramus, gementes et flentes, in ac lacrimarum vaie. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls.
Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg Thee through the intercession and help of the Archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore Thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy Thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. Hi, my name's Alyssa Vigil from St. Ignatius of Loyola Catholic Community. And you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ Houston. Part of the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.